Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for coming tonight to this, the latest in our Future of Europe series, organised by the European Institute here at the LSE and sponsored by FT Business. Tonight is a great pleasure and a great privilege to welcome and listen to Prime Minister Merrick Topolanek from the Czech Republic. Prime Minister Topolanek, it's fantastic to have him for a number of reasons. First of all, it's always excellent to have um, politicians who have a hinterland, <coughs> rather than just political distinction. And he has a varied and distinguished hinterland. It's perhaps worth remembering that he was a central movement, central member of the civil, Civic Forum Movement, which established just over 20 years ago, the Velvet Revolution. He's a distinguished member of civil society. He's had a distinguished career in business, and he's had a distinguished career as a parliamentarian, most notably on the Senate Committee in the Czech Republic, dealing with agriculture, economy and transport, very much the bread and butter of <coughs> EU affairs. He has been Prime Minister of the Czech Republic since 2006, and he's going to be talking <coughs> about the priorities for the Czech Presidency, which begins in January. And that, I have to say, is interesting. I read the BBC correspondent said of President Sarkozy, there's nothing he likes more than one crisis, is nothing he likes more than a crisis, is two or three crises. And it was used to address the fact that they had to discuss Lisbon, the economy, and climate change. Now, none of these things have gone away. The Congress for the Civic Democratic Party has indicated already that they're not completely happy with the way Europe has traditionally done these things. And there's a place here at LSE, which is, we like to think of ourselves as a point for thought and reflection, that is something only to be welcomed that this will take place. The Prime Minister will speak for about half an hour, and will then take questions with the help of uh, an interpreter. I ask you to warmly welcome Prime Minister Topolano. Guests, ladies and gentlemen, students, other students. <laughs> it's my honor to stand here on the ground of the London School of Economics and Political Science, LSE. I could name a number of reasons why I appreciate the LSE, but I will name only the main one. I appreciate the LSE as a cradle of the plurality of opinion. For more than 100 years, it has been the ground for the free exchange of opinions on fundamental economic, social, and political issues. The free exchange of opinions is a natural human need. But in no way does that mean it is self-evident. When this school was founded by members of the famous Fabian Society in 1895, Marxism was spreading in intellectual circles. The evil ideology, one which refused any kind of discussion out of principle. And others came, fascism, nationalism, Islamism, and so on. Throughout the entire 20th century, which gave birth to so many new generations of deniers of freedom, the LSE was a beacon of free discussion. 
It was the ground where the suffragists held their first meeting, where Director William Beveridge, the father of the concept of the welfare state, worked. And on the other hand, where Friedrich Hayek, the classic of the Austrian School of Economics, gave lectures at Beveridge's invitation. To this day, his debates with, with uh, John Maynard Keynes are an inspiration for economic theorists, and not just for theorists. The current discussion on reforms to the global economic and financial system is still moving within the boundaries of that era's debates. On one hand, there is still Fabianism with its inevitability of gradualism. With the faith in reason as a possible and desirable attribute of government. With its utilitarianism in the management of public affairs through empirically demonstrable criteria. On the other side stands Hayek's faith in the market, his emphasis on the role of anonymous individualists and the impossibility of judging the long-term effects of their actions, its resistance to any kind of centralized oversight, its empirical strategy of trial and error testing. As you can see, ideas really do have consequences. The shape of the global economic order in the 21st century will clearly stem from the ideas that rang out in the first half of the last century. The fruits of free discussion survived, while the malevolent and powerful ideologies of that time are dead. It is no coincidence that I mentioned the debate and its current context. In two weeks, the Czech Republic will hold the presidency of the European Union. Treating the impacts of the economic crisis is one of the topics that we did not originally count on in our priorities. But circumstances have called for this to be one of the fundamental moments of the Czech presidency. It is also no coincidence that I have praised the Fabian spirit of the LSE here in emphasizing the free exchange of opinion and rejecting <coughs> radical methods of problem solving. I myself have always defended the position that expresses fears about the impacts of reckless decisions motivated by government's efforts to deal vigorously with the crisis. I myself have always feared selective measures accepted without the for all and free discussion of all EU member states. Okay, it is useless to convince two firemen to wipe his feet when the house is burning. Although I understand that countries directly afflicted by the financial crisis had to take steps to renew confidence in the banking system, measures that harm other EU member states cannot be accepted. For this reason, I welcome that the European Council has come to an agreement that the EU must act in a unified, unified manner and that even in times of crisis, the principles of competition and equal terms must be preserved. Otherwise, the consequences of the treatment could cause worse problems 
the sickness itself. You can't put the fire out by pouring fuel on it. I understand that in time of crisis, it is necessary to accept short-term measures to strengthen consumer confidence, to support exports and small and medium enterprises. But never at the expense of a fundamental threat to fiscal stability. I consider a loosening of the stability and growth pact to be a major threat. The Czech government, just as the Czech National Bank and leaders of important financial institutions perceive this to be a direct threat to confidence in the Eurozone and the project of the common currency and a dangerous precedent for the future. Besides, it is not the first dangerous precedent. We must clearly distinguish between putting out the fire and changing the fire regulations. I understand that part of the, of the efforts toward greater confidence in the banking sector is the demand for better regulation. But this problem does not relate to the Czech Republic. After the cure, it went through in the 90s, 1990s, our financial sector is healthy and the central bank oversight is sufficiently strict and effective. And in general, I would warn against excessive regulation. Some of the proposals that have been suggested in the EU recently seem like they want to fulfill the fifth article of the Communist Manifesto, which called for 100% state control over the provision of loans. The problem of high, of high divorce rate can be resolved by banning marriages. <laughs> I refuse the oft-repeating, repeated thesis that financial instability is a failure of liberal capitalism. On the contrary, it is a fatal failure of market in intervention. It was state support for mortgages that led to them being used in large numbers by people who were financially incapable of repaying them. And under the impression of the state support, financial institutions risked far more than was healthy and provided these badly secure loans. It is not a failure of capitalism, it is actually a lack of capitalism. The current nationalism of banks is a de facto continuation of this irresponsibility because it takes the entrepreneur risk away from these institutions and replaces it with state trusteeship. Moreover, the trillions devoted to the cleanup of irresponsible acts by financial institution management will come from the pockets of all taxpayers. Governments will have to take these enormous funds from somewhere. Either they will go further into debt or they will have to limit public services. The banks will have to purchase government bonds by this day, by this, they will be crowding out the private loans, the bond prices will drop and the governments will have to pay a premium for loan services. They will sink deeper into debt 
And this never-ending story will continue and on and on and on in a vicious, vicious, in the vicious circle. I'm so sorry. I agree that there must be tools that make the financial market far more transparent. Tools that prevent the uncontrollable spread of, <coughs> of exotic assets, which through securitization later became toxic assets, which poisoned the global financial system. I agree the financial institutions managers should be made more responsible and that there should be additional transparency in their accounting. But these must be tools that conform to the market, tools that especially increase the level of clients' information. What occurs frequently in the area of financing is that only one of two terms of a functioning market is fulfilled, that the exchange is voluntary but uninformed. We must have both fulfilled. Exchange cannot continue to be uninformed, but in addition, it must also not be involuntary or state-managed. I do not see additional, additional regulations and state programs as a long-term systematic solutions which will precede crisis in the future. On the contrary, I see the solution in liberalization, the limiting of public expenditure, and limiting of protectionism. We could clearly see how devastating the impacts of the crisis have been on countries that have excessive debt, where governments and citizens have become used to living beyond their means as it were. This is another reason why the Czech government has no reason to step back from reforms that especially limit mandatory expenditure. At the same time, we want, we want to work toward a more flexible labor market. Not just at home, but in keeping with our presidential priorities, we will push for the liberalization of the EU's labor market. We will also seek to remove bureaucracy and improve the business environment. In keeping with European trends and the European Commission's recommendations, we furthermore want to increase investment into education, science, and research, especially in the private sector. All of these steps lead to a strengthening of freedom. Freedom in the choice of employment, economic freedom in the form of decreased redistribution, freedom in access to education. These free freedoms lead to a maintenance of the highest economic performance, even in periods of cyclical fluctuation and extraordinary crisis. Regulation doesn't increase, but on the contrary, decreases the European Union's global competitiveness. It occurs, it occurs to me how current Hayek's quote is from his studies in philosophy, politics, and economics. We need good principles rather than good people. We need fixed rules, not fixers. We understand the priorities of the Czech presidency in a similar way to how we will approach solutions to the global crisis and the prevention of future crises. Its motto is a Euro without barriers. We communicate its program with three E's, economy, energy, external relations. 
In all of these areas, we consider liberalization, not regulation, to be the guiding principle. I have described the content of the economic priority here. The global crisis will certainly expand, expand the economic agenda of our presidency by new elements and gifts in an entirely unprecedented urgency. urgency. In no way, however, will this change its original content. On the contrary, I'm convinced that our original proposals, as I have spoken of them, show their usefulness in times of crisis and respectively right at this time. We want to complete the liberalization of the EU's internal market, to remove discrimination between all the new member states, to fully bring the EU's four basis, basic freedoms to bear. To bear. We also want to lead the debate of, on the reform of the budget, especially on the reform of the common agriculture policy. Our second priority is energy. Here we are tying into the French presidency. We successfully completed the acceptance of the climate energy package. I am pleased that, also due to our contributions, this was successfully completed this year and that the final form on the package is not a threat for economic performance and the energy security of European nations. Energy security is something we want to focus on. We are interested in diversifying energy supplies, in decreasing Europe's energy dependence, in strengthening electric distribution networks. We want to continue the debate on WTO and world trade liberalization we were truly a better regulation than overregulation. Energy could be a test case for the effectiveness of a common EU foreign policy. We now need to find a common language in this area and act with absolute unity. Individual countries need to avoid to, to temptation to agree separately with Russia on supplies and distribution path for energy raw materials. Only when we will act with unity will we be able to prevent energy blackmail. This is a test of solidarity and foresight. One of the practical possibilities is the planned meeting between the EU and states of Central Asia with coal being an alternative source of energy raw materials. The third priority is Europe and the world, external relations. I have always held the opinion that Czech foreign policy should be politically realistic, not in the sense of real politics, but in the sense of a realistic, rational evaluation of our possibilities and resources for the realization of the kind of foreign policy that will serve our national interest. In the case of our presidency, this approach cannot be applied in 100%. The European Union de facto does not have one common foreign policy in all areas, <coughs> and setting the direction in areas where there is something of an embryo of a common policy is definitely not in the competency of the country holding the presidency. Nevertheless, as a conservative, I am of the, I am of the opinion that a healthy, realistic approach to national interests can be appropriately applied to interests of the EU as a community as well. In one case, I even dare say that our national interests and our role in the presidency are one and the same. I'm thinking about the issue of further EU enlargement. 
aside from the fact that during our presidency we should accelerate talks leading to Croatia's accession, it is expected that other Balkan countries will apply. Our next priority is to maintain the dynamics of the accession talks with Turkey. Accepting new EU members is for us the repayment of a debt to those who and until now have stood outside the gates and is for us the fulfillment of the EU's basic civilization mission, which is to expand the space of freedom, security, and prosperity. I believe that this national interest of the Czech Republic is in line with the long-term strategic interest of the community, although a number of states take a more reserved stand on further EU enlargement. In external affairs, we want to further bring to bear a strengthening on neighbor policies, especially in eastern, part, eastern partnerships. In trade relations, we want the EU to act as a motor for the process of liberalization of world trade, not as its occasional break. We will also have to continue to resolve the crisis in Georgia and thoroughly request that Russia fulfill its agreements with the, with the EU. I began in praise of free debates continue with the global crisis, and in the, in the end discuss our presidential priorities. I selected these areas and their order on purpose. Without free, open discussion, we will find neither a solution to the global crisis, nor can we be successful in the role of the presiding country. And because discussion is important to me, I have chosen a shorter format for my lecture. There will be that much more room for your questions. Thank you for your attention, and I am prepared to answer your questions. Right, as Prime Minister Topolanek said, we have actually quite a bit of time for questions. The uh, Prime Minister will answer questions through uh, an interpreter. Uh, we will take questions in bundles of three, if that is okay. If questions could be concise and questions, that would be fantastic. Gentlemen there, could you wait for the very mic? Okay. Uh, hello. Thank you very much for coming and giving us that overview there um, as a whole. Uh, my question is as follows. Quite recently, uh, a terrorist organization actually acquired Air Force capability, which was the Tamil Tigers of Sri Lanka. Um, they acquired the equipment from the Czech Republic. My question is that, what happened to your security forces in terms of intelligence? Were they sleeping on the job? Because that's the first time a terrorist organization has ever acquired air capability, and that came from the Czech Republic. And uh, I, I would like uh, your view on this subject matter. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. The lady just over there. Thank you very much. I'm Malenka Cicinsha. I'm coming from Croatia. And my question is uh, considered to the Slovenia giving uh, veto on a Croatian negotiation process, actually on a five chapters which has to be closed and three which has to be open. Mm -hmm. So that should be the first case in your presidency in a few days. 
And I'm very interested, what should be your approach to that particular case or let's say problem? Because the, uh, the way how it will be solved, this is the first time that the country giving veto uh, by uh, blackmailing with a territorial aspiration. So the, okay, let's say, say in this way. Uh, and the, the solution should be template for the rest of the countries of the former Yugoslavia uh, associated in the uh, European Union. So that's why, so please give it, give me your comments, thanks. Yeah, and if we could take the gentleman with his hand at the back. Yes, you, you, you're looking behind you, behind you, that's you. Nearly, near the back. Hi, yes, thank you. And uh, my question is, can you comment on, oh, sorry. Can you comment on the relationship between you know, China and the European Union and the Czech presidency? Thank you. So as I understand it, three questions. One on the supply of Czech military equipment to the Tamil Tigers, one on potential Slovenian veto on Croatian accession, and one, if I understand it rightly, on Chinese-EU relations. Actually, your question regarding the Tamil Tigers really frightened me ass, I to say. Of course, I, I don't know anything about it. Actually, what uh, uh, my ambassador has just um, uh, written on, on a piece of paper says uh, that uh, they acquired sport plane, two to three sport planes. But I would like to also assure you that our intelligence service has always had excellent um, um, quality and uh, they've not been sleeping, obviously. Although I hope that they, they, they don't have such quality as they have acquired during the communist regime. My máme, my sledujeme samozřejmě prodej embargovaného materiálu do všech zemí, které jsou na seznamu. Toto je věc, která samozřejmě asi rozsahem nebyla taková, že by se s ní vůbec někdo zabýval. Já o tom aspoň nevím. Obviously, we follow up the sale of any army or military related material on which embargo has been posed in respect of the countries which are on the list. Uh, of course, uh, this um, scope must have been so limited that um, uh, it might have escaped uh, uh, my, my attention, but I don't really have much information on it. If hundred kilos of Semtex would have been stolen, that would have uh, frightened me even more. So, uh, lucky enough, this was not the case. Ten se u nás. Because Semtex is also made in the Czech Republic. Může každý. Sport planes could be actually stolen from any, anyone. Ale beru, že to je vážný problém, protože samozřejmě s tím může terorista způsobit, a taky už se to stalo, spousty škod a v tom případě, pokud se opravdu něco stalo, tak se na to omlouvám, když o tom nic nevím. And um, of course I don't take this issue lightly, obviously uh, if a terrorist is in a possession of a plane, he might of course use it as an attacking vehicle or, or um, he might cause major damage, this has already happened in the past, and uh, for that reason I would like to apologize, although I don't really know much about this case. Slovinsko-chorvatský problém je samozřejmě historický a Slovenci využívají toho, že mají silnější pozici v dané chvíli. Well, the Slovenian-Croatian issue, of course, it has been um, uh, going on for some time. It is a historical problem. Uh, the Slovenians are obviously at this very moment um, uh, they're uh, um, uh, sort of using using their stronger position, which, which they have at the moment. 
Zkusme si vzpomenout na dobu, kdy vstupovalo Slovensko do Evropské unie a kdy bylo podobně vydíráno Itálii. And uh, it is it's not been so uh, long time ago when uh, Slovenia had been actually accessing the EU and there has been a similar problem between uh, Italy and Slovenia and actually Italy was blackmailing Slovenia. Uh, já jsem se posledních deseti dnech potkal s chorvatským premiérem, slovinským prezidentem, slovinským premiérem, slovinským ministrem zahraničí. Já si myslím, že to je především bilaterální problém. A Evropská unie se nebude chtít do tohoto problému zatáhnout víc, než je nezbytně nutné. My máme zkušenost doby našeho vstupu do Evropské unie s Rakouskem a problémem s jadrovou elektrárnou Temelín. A taky jsme to museli řešit bilaterálně. Actually, uh, we can draw uh, a lesson from a similar experience which we actually had at the time of our accession into, in the EU. There has been an issue between the Czech Republic and Austria regarding our nuclear plant facility in Temelín. And also we had to resolve the issue bilaterally. To neznamená, že bychom neměli ambici moderovat tu diskuzi a pomoci takovému kompromisu, který ty strany přivede buď k soudnímu dvoru vágu, nebo k arbitráži mezinárodní, nebo k arbitráži speciální. Uh, obviously, uh, we do not want to give up uh, uh, on our role uh, in facilitating uh, uh, this, um, uh, this, uh, these negotiations and uh, hopefully we might uh, also assist in arriving to a kind of compromise and perhaps help those two countries, unless the issue is resolved otherwise, to present their case either to the Hague, Tribu uh, Hague uh, Court of Justice or uh, to uh, any arbitration court uh, if this, of course, cannot be resolved in any other way. Or, of course, the other alternative would be if they if they find an agreement, that's that's also fine. Ty kapitoly, které jsou blokovány díky slovinskému přístupu, jsou samozřejmě velmi důležité. My máme ambice během předsednictví otevřít. The chapters that you have referred to, uh, obviously, especially those ones which uh, still are to be open, are very critical, and uh, our ambition is actually to uh, finalize the negotiations of these chapters during the Czech presidency. Uh, ty kapitoly se netýkají jenom slovinsko-chorvatského problému, ale uh, samozřejmě ten problém ze stanovení mořské hranice je nejvážnější. Uh, so obviously uh, these chapters do not relate only and, and, and uh, specifically and exclusively to the Slo Slovenian Croatian issue uh, but of course the maritime border or borderline uh, is of course one of the crucial and pivotal issues in this whole dispute. Když budu velmi otevřený problémem není ta vlastní dohoda. Problémem jsou vždycky uh, vlastní veřejnost a vlastní zemi, protože každá ta politická reprezentace, která se dohodne tak to bude bráno v té zemi jako prohoda. Uh, but uh, to be frank and honest, I don't think that the real problem uh, is that uh, is, is, is not that the, that the two parties would not be able to arrive to an agreement, uh, but what actually is usually uh, the most problematic thing here is the uh, public uh, opinion or the general public as such, because any government which will accept any kind of compromise will be actually seen by the general public as having lost the case or a protože je pořád před nějakými volbami, tak opozice vždycky bude kritizovat toho, kdo se dohodne. Já teda vidím ve světě vážnější problémy než je tento. 
more serious problems in the world than this one. And still I can assure you that I know the all, all the details in, in, in respect of this issue. And at the same time, I would even dare to say that our, our authority, we can actually, um, with all the authority that we have in the West Balkans and the respect that, uh, that we've gained in the Western Balkans, we actually might seriously uh, help, help the debate to progress and even arrive to a kind of conclusion. Obecně platí, že pro stabilitu západního Balkánu je třeba, je třeba řešit a přijmout Chorvatsko a Srbsko. Nevertheless, uh, as far as the general question of the Western Balkans um, uh, sort of future, uh, in order to ensure stability in this region, it is now pretty clear that uh, Croatia and uh, Serbia uh, should actually become members. Protože dochází v Evropě, kromě Británie a některých dalších zemí, k tomu enlargement fatigue, takovému tomu rozčarování, rozšíření, tak to bude čím dál tím složitější. Nevertheless, this will become more and more difficult, especially uh, at this very moment uh, in the European Union we're experiencing something which could be described as the enlargement fatigue. So there's not much appetite for further enlargement. Uh, takže se dají očekávat problémy v Bosně a Hercegovině uh, s prodloužením mandátu nebo s novým mandátem vysokého představitele. Můžeme čekat problémy Kosovu, Eulex, and uh, for that reason, we actually uh, foresee uh, problems, uh, potential problems happening in Bosnia Herzegovina, uh, in uh, specific reference to the mandate and actually the uh, extension of the mandate uh, of the High Representative. We might also see some problems in Kosovo with Eulex and, of course, other issues uh, arising. Uh, best Rozšíření o balkánské země Evropa nikdy nebude v pořádku a bezpečná a je to absolutní imperativ zahraniční politiky nejenom České republiky, ale těch, kteří dobře ví a tuší, že jedinou cestou je, jedinou cestou je postupná integrace těchto zemí, včetně, včetně Kosova, včetně Černé hory, včetně Albánie do Evropské unie, protože jinak se zaděláváme na nový problém, možná za 10, možná za 15 let a já myslím, že to všichni, všichni ví. Um, um, obviously, uh, um, we believe that uh, the, <coughs> I'm sorry, the gradual um, enlargement of the European Union with these uh, countries uh, is absolutely essential, and uh, it is really a pivotal matter in regard of the foreign policy, not only of the Czech Republic, but uh, of those countries, of all those countries who actually realize that there is no other way than gradually integrate uh, these countries. And of course, I'm speaking not only about Serbia, Croatia, but also Montenegro, uh, Albania, uh, Kosovo, uh, etc. Because otherwise, uh, we are really creating problems um, 10, perhaps uh, 20 uh, years down the road. Uh, so the, the question in, in respect of the Chinese and the EU and Czech relations. Vědnání je trojkový summit během našeho předsednictví, to znamená, to znamená čínský premiér, předseda Evropské rady, tedy já a prezident Evropské komise Barozo. Není potvrzen termín, ale je tendence to zrušené jednání během francouzského předsednictví uskutečnit během našeho nic dalšího. Well, all, all I can say uh, at this very moment is that uh, there is the Troika summit in the making. It, it actually, um, as far as the format is concerned, there should be the Chinese uh, Prime Minister, uh, the Czech Presidency, represented by the Czech Prime Minister, and uh, uh, President Bahozu 
of the European Commission. Uh, the date has not been uh, yet uh, decided. However, there is an ambition to uh, replace the cancelled uh, summit, uh, uh, the summit which is cancelled during the French presidency, and to hold the summit again during the Czech presidency. Těch důvodů, proč to jednání neodkládat, je celá řada. Jedním z těch důvodů bude určitě i příprava uh, summitu o postkyotského summitu uh, v Kodani, v Kopenhagenu. Obviously, there is a, a wide range of reasons why we should not uh, further delay this, um, this, this summit and we should actually try to organize it as soon as possible. One of the reasons is actually uh, the, the debate that has to take place on the post-Kyoto process and, of course, in view of the upcoming conference uh, in, in Copenhagen. Tím druhým hlavním tématem nutně musí být G20, jednání nejvyspělejších zemí o finanční krizi a o případné budování nové architektury nebo nové, nové finanční architektury a podobně. To si myslím, že jsou dva hlavní důvody, proč je třeba s Čínou jednat. The second most important reason is actually uh, that there needs to be a wider debate on the G20 uh, level uh, on uh, setting uh, the, the, the basis and the principles for the new uh, world financial uh, architecture and actually there needs to be a wider debate on how to uh, combat uh, the, the crisis and deal with, uh, with its aftermath. Čína může řešit případné problémy zvýšením vlastní domácí spotřeby, nicméně to, že Čína přestává být tím trhem zaslíbeným a snižuje se světová poptávka po zboží, tak dělá problémy celé řadě zemí, včetně, včetně zemí Evropské unie. Uh, obviously, uh, China can influence the process by increasing the domestic uh, demand. However, at the same time, we can actually see that China is no longer uh, the very uh, promised land uh, as far as the global markets are concerned. And the whole thing actually creates a global problem elsewhere. A pokud si chce uchovat Evropská unie svoji lídrovskou roli uh, v klimatických změnách, tak bez Číny, Ruska, Brazílie, Indie a Ameriky to bude velmi stěží. And also let me also uh, mention on this note that if uh, the EU really wants to continue its leadership in the area of uh, climate change and environmental protection, then uh, there's no other uh, uh, remedy than to invite the other countries, the, 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 the other large global players such as uh, China, India, Brazil, the United States of America, Russia on board uh, in order to really uh, make all those um, uh, sort of uh, measures uh, efficient and effective. William Horsley, journalist. Um, uh, Mr. Prime Minister, uh, you spoke at the beginning about the importance of uh, open mind and free expression, free exchange of ideas. Uh, let me put it to you that uh, compared to 20 years ago with the popular revolutions against the communist governments, uh, Europe, uh, East and West, uh, might be going backwards, uh, might be going in the wrong direction. In Russia, we have uh, the death of many journalists and state control over the media at a time when the military is being used um, to change the borders in Europe. Uh, in Western Europe, uh, we see uh, governments closing ranks to force the Irish, who rejected the treaty, to vote again. I wonder if either or both of those examples make you think that uh, the consensus in favor of uh, free expression and free media that we saw 20 years ago in Europe uh, is being ended. Thank you. 
please take the next one. I, I'm quite, sorry, I'm quite concerned that we have an EU member country, namely Cyprus, which is illegally occupied by the Turkish forces and has been for the last 34 years. Um, I am wondering if, as the new EU leader, you are going to impose any sanctions or any penalties to Turkey um, to proceed with some sort of withdrawal before any further negotiations are carried out. It seems that so far nobody has been able to do anything with regards to um, any penalties. Uh, um, we know that America and England want Turkey to enter the EU for many strategic reasons, and I, as much as the next person, would like that. It just seems very odd that they can continue to illegally occupy an EU member state and nobody does anything. Mr. Prime, Prime Minister. Um, you're a leading rep representative of the largest conservative party in the Czech Republic and uh, the part of your, mani uh, your manifesto is about limited role of government, limited spending, national sovereignty, and that's it probably. And uh, would you please outline your stance against the Lisbon Treaty and bear in mind that you have been given a mandate by the electorate based on this manifesto. Thank you. Well, I think there are two questions deep down. I think the first one about on the Lisbon Treaty, one on the Czech government's position, and one on the situation in Northern Cyprus. Yes, well, usually it is not very easy to answer the first question, however, it is quite easy for me to answer it. In spite of the fact that I'm not very much loved by the Czech media, I will always try to do my best and I will exert my best possible efforts to make it as independent and autonomous as possible. And I think you would subscribe to the, same, to the very same opinion uh, as I've just expressed if you lived your life like me for 33 years under communism when there was actually no freedom of movement or actually the only countries you would be allowed to travel to would be uh, the DDR, uh, Romania, Poland and some other socialist countries. O, o tom, že umírají v Rusku novináři nebo novinářky, je to třeba Politkovská Jan, e, o tom samozřejmě vím, ale to je na diskuzi, jak dalece vnímáme Rusko jako standardní demokratickou zemi. Uh, obviously I'm aware of uh, those uh, deaths mentioned, uh, of course we could uh, make a, a direct mention of uh, Politkovskaya and other journalists, uh, however this would actually uh, entail a much broader debate on the question uh, to what extent we consider Russia to be a standard democracy. Na druhé straně souhlasím s tím, že v době digitální žurnalistiky se vytratila korektnost a ověřování zpráv a všechny ty vteřinové zprávy na serverech, které potom žijí svým vlastním životem, 
ovlivňují mínění, veřejné mínění daleko rychleji a daleko víc jak před několika málo desítkami let. We should also bear in mind that uh, journalism has been ushered into a new era which is the digital era and also this uh, brings along a uh, brings along a, a great deal of responsibility because whatever is published very quickly uh, in a matter of seconds on the internet on the servers it actually uh, carries on living its own life and it directly influences the public opinion all over the world. Uh, Spojovat to s Irskem, to jsem přesně nepochopil. Well, I've not really understood your uh, com comparison or your, your reference to Ireland and the, the Irish referendum. Já si nemyslím, že Iry někdo může tlačit ke změně stanovisku. I don't really think there's anyone who could really push the Irish to change their position if, if they can want to. Irové, pokud se rozhodnou znovu hlasovat, tak musí mít důvod, proč hlasovat a musí to být jejich svobodné rozhodnutí. Tady přesto, že existuje určitý tlak na rychlou ratifikaci Lisabonské smlouvy, tak pořád platí výdenská umluva a ta je samozřejmě nad tím. Uh, so uh, obviously uh, uh, there might be some pressure in regard of the speed of the uh, approval or ratification of the Lisbon Treaty, but at the same time there is the Viennese Convention which um, still um, has its, um, uh, its, uh, its kind of stronger power. Dokud neratifikují všichni signatáři, neplatí. So unless, unless all the parties, uh, all the contractual parties ratify, uh, the Lisbon Treaty will not come into force. Pokud by byl na Iry vytvářen mediální nátlak, tak bych to já považoval za velmi nepříjemné. But obviously if uh, there uh, would be such a case that there would be media pressure on the Irish to change their opinion, uh, that in my opinion would not be a correct thing to, to be seen. Mimochodem by to ovlivnilo situaci v České republice. And by the way, it would also, or it might have an impact on the situation in the Czech Republic as well. Já si pořád myslím, že mezinárodní smlouvy a jejich svalování mají svá pravidla a ta se nemají porušovat. Jinak samozřejmě já novináře nesnáším. Otherwise, of course, I have uh, a... Uh, uh, <laughs> I just... <laughs> Um, I, 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 have a, I have a dislike for the journalists, obviously. <laughs> anyway, so let me uh, refer back to the other question regarding Cyprus. Uh, you have probably not been informed that uh, I had visited Cyprus, and not only as a tourist, I studied in Cyprus in 1995. Mediterranean Institute of Management in Nicosia. Strávil jsem tam dva měsíce, a, takže mám pocit, že jsem expertem na Kyprsku. Četl jsem každý den Cyprus Weekly a uh, viděl jsem každý týden Cyprus Weekly a že tam byl druhý denní. Cítil jsem samozřejmě z toho, že 50-60% těch příspěvků se týká, co řekl generální tajemník OSN, co řekl ten a ten státník, jak se bude řešit kyperská otázka. So just to uh, explain the humorous part, the prime minister actually mentioned that every day he read the Cyprus weekly. Yeah, but uh, then of course he corrected himself, he said there was also a daily in, in Cyprus, so he was following all these sort of media 
uh, printed media, and actually 50 to 60% of all the articles there, they dealt with this issue. So he realized it was a serious problem. Jezdil jsem do školy kolem té hranice v Nikozi a viděl jsem ten kopec s tím půl měsícem nad sebou. So uh, on my way to school every day, I was actually passing along the border between the Cyprus uh, or Cypriot and, and, and Turkish uh, sort of parts of, of, of the island and I was actually able to every day look at the hill with uh, the, the Turkish symbol with uh, the half moon, the serpent. Současný kyperský prezident taky musel odejít z Kyrénie v jedné košeli. And uh, the current uh, Cypriot president, he actually had to leave Kyrenia only with one, uh, one shirt on. And it's been already uh, 34 years, and uh, obviously there's no easy solution to be found, because otherwise it would have been sorted out a long time ago. I went to uh, Cyprus uh, this year, and uh, I went to Ledra Street. A ta situace se jevila, že má nějaký progres, protože and šéf té turecké části ostrova, pan Talat, začal jednat a začaly se vytvářet společné komise, začaly se, začaly se identifikovat problémy a postupně vypadalo, že se budou řešit. And um, we were all quite optimistic at that time and everything seemed to be progressing. Uh, the the lead, leader of the Turkish part of the island, Mr. Talat, uh, agreed to negotiations and uh, they started setting up a kind of commission and they started looking into the matter. Uh, but if the Turkish army is still present on the island, nothing will be resolved. But if the Turkish army leaves the island, things might get even worse than what they are today. Utvaru, případně společném, kdy dneska se hovoří spíše o konfederaci a to vidím jako chybu a musí dohoda těch, co žijou na severní části ostra, těch, co žijou na jihu. So I, I believe that uh, the only solution that can be found is really or should rest upon an agreement between the northern part, the northerners and the southerners and especially they should focus on agreeing what kind of state they will live in. At the moment there's a debate on confederation which I don't think is a, is, is is uh, a, a fortunate uh, or is, is a good solution, but uh, this this has to be agreed. Bez vyřešení kyperské otázky se neotevřou kapitoly přístupové kapitoly s Tureckem. However, uh, until the Cypriot question is resolved, uh, the chapters in regard of the accession negotiations with Turkey will not be opened. But I assure you that if I knew of any easy solution to this situation, I would have really told you by now. And obviously, uh, the EU is not the only player here. The UN also should uh, play its uh, play its role. Pokud by došlo k takové dohodě, že by obě ty části ostrova se za nějakých podmínek mohly spojit, tak by to samozřejmě odblokovalo i ty problémy, přístupové problémy s Tureckem. And, and obviously, if an agreement uh, can be found uh, between the two parts of the island uh, to coexist and live together, then uh, the barrier, which at the moment uh, has been imposed on the negotiations with Turkey, could have been also removed. 
a tam vzniká spousta problémů, které my známe, protože my jsme po komunistickém režimu museli také restituovat majetek a museli jsme ho vracet původním vlastníkům, museli jsme řešit spousty problémů, které se nakoupily za 40 let. And obviously there's, uh, not, uh, there's not only this kind of political problem, there are also problems regarding properties uh, which have been taken by uh, the, the, the other side, or by the other party, and uh, we actually, uh, uh, we, we had a very similar experience because after uh, the period of communism, we also had to deal with the uh, property issue and we had to uh, uh, carry out a very uh, a difficult and cumbersome restitution process. So Abych to uzavřel, pokud říkáme, že stojíme o vstup Turecka do Evropské unie, tím v žádném případě nespochybňujeme tu povinnost dohody na Kypru. So, let me actually conclude and, and, and summarize and say that um, uh, by saying that we want to see Turkey as a member state of the European Union, we in no way put into question or into doubt uh, the fact that there needs to be a solution provided to the Cypriot problem first. V tomto je překvapivě, možná nepřekvapivě, britská a česká politika totožná. And what might be surprising, although I don't think it's surprising, but the UK approach and the Czech approach is very much the same on this issue. It's a problem, I know. Lisbon Treaty. Já k tomu obvykle říkám, že jsem tu smlouvu podepsal, Mé jméno je vytesáno před klášterem svatého Jeronima v Lisabonu a že nemíním rozbrušovačkou ten podpis toho kamene sundává. So what I usually say on this note is that I signed the treaty and my name is, my name is carved on the stone, on a piece of stone, which was actually placed in front of uh, Santo Jeronimo Cathedral in, in, in Lisbon. And uh, in no way I'm going to uh, wipe it out, uh, I, you know, to take a set of tools and, and, and wipe it out from the, from the stone. Já odmítám zjednodušení, že ten, kdo je pro, pro Lisabonskou smlouvu, je good guy a ten, kdo je proti Lisabonské smlouvě, je bad guy. However, si myslím, že je velmi velké zjednodušení. I do not like this kind of simplistic uh, division of, of, of individuals into two groups. The ones who are in favor of uh, uh, the Lisbon Treaty are the good guys and the bad guys are against the Lisbon Treaty. I don't like this simple division. Většina našich voličů je pro... Velmi proevropská, smířili by se i s tou Lisabonskou smlouvou. Jsou to ti vzdělanější, lépe situovaní, bez jazykových bariér, nebojí se Evropské unie. Sociální demokraté u nás samozřejmě jsou ta reprezentace chce schválit Lisabonskou smlouvu nejlépe zítra. Obviously, uh, the social democrats, as far as the political representation of this party is concerned, they would like to see the treaty approved, perhaps, if not today, then tomorrow. Jejich voliči jsou většinou proti. But their electorate is, is largely, or by large, against it. Já nevím, jestli budu schopen to vysvětlit. So, I don't know whether I can really explain this paradox. Já se domnívám, že to má ještě jeden aspekt a ten je třeba tady zmínit, otevřeně. Ve stejné době se mají ratifikovat smlouvy o protiraketové obraně. Uh, is supposed to be ratified, there is another set of agreements which should be ratified, and they actually relate to the anti-missile defense, and that's the agreement with the United States of America on the radar base in the Czech Republic. Já k tomu říkám, že uh, pokud chceme být součástí euroatlantické civilizace, 
tak neseme samozřejmě výnosy i náklady. And what I'm usually saying is that if you really want to be members of the Euro-Atlantic uh, civilization, yeah, civilization or group of uh, countries, say, or nations, then uh, one has to really uh, realize that there are costs and benefits of it. Pro mě je umístění radarové základny na českém území ten výnos. So the benefit of this for me is the radar based, uh, sorry, radar base or radar site in the Czech Republic's territory. Pokud si uvědomíme, že poslední ruský voják z českého území odešel 30. června 1991, tak se nemusíte ptát proč. And I think the reasons are obvious why I think so, because the last Russian soldier left our country just uh, on the 30th of June 1991. Lisabonská smlouva je pro mě náklad. And the Lisbon Treaty for me represents the cost. Akceptovatelný náklad. An acceptable cost. To znamená, já this, jsem proto, já jsem ratifikaci všech těch smluv. On this, on this balance sheet. For that reason, I'm in favor of ratification of all of these treaties and agreements. Řekl bych, že je to majoritní pohled drtivé, drtivé většiny členů mé strany. And I would say that this is exactly the view which the vast majority of the members of my party subscribe to. Takže Lisabonská smlouva je trochu obětí dosud nesvalených smluv ze Spojenými státy americké. So I would like to conclude by saying that the Lisbon Treaty so far has been or has fallen a victim to the uh, so far unapproved uh, agreements with the United States of America on the radar base in the Czech. A otevřeně říkám, že u toho klidně může zůstat. And openly I'm saying that uh, this uh, situation could be perpetuated. Bez ohledu na můj osobní názor. Without any regard to my personal opinion on the matter. Has it been uh, open enough? <laughs> um, quit the lady there with her hand up. Just that. Yes, you, 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 ma'am. Dobra večer. I have two questions related to. Can we just have to... one, please? Uh, one question in two parts uh, related to <laughs> energy efficiency, uh, f uh, which you mentioned is one of your priorities uh, during your uh, presidency. Um, can you flesh out a bit more in terms of, for example, your support on, on the development of nuclear energy? And I understand that EU has recently passed uh, regulations supporting the development or further development of wind power. Um, can you flesh out a bit more um, on, on the exact uh, policy that you might be following? And the second part is in relation to uh, the experience. Uh, experience, I remember that uh, Russia about a year or so ago um, pulled the plug on, the, on um, supplying energy to uh, Ukraine and then I don't remember exactly what happened. I think it affected Germany and Poland as well. And under your presidency, what measures would you put in place to prevent or help to prevent that happen again? Thank you. Please go ahead. Prime Minister, Slovakia joins the Euro next month. Uh, what's the relevance of that for the debate on whether or not to join the Euro in the Czech Republic and for that matter in the other co former Comic-Con countries? Thank you. Yeah, it's a good question too, yeah. Gentlemen, just there. Just please wait for the mic. 
first of all, can I just say before uh, you become, uh, regarding Czech journalists, before you become impatient with them, just remember that none of them in the middle of a news conference managed to throw a shoe, right? <laughs> <laughs> but if I, if I could ask you for a brief assessment of your um, sister party in the United Kingdom, the Conservative Party, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've been having uh, extensive discussions with their leader and their shadow foreign secretary. Are they ready for government? Do you, are they ready for government? Do you look forward to working with them as the next government of the United Kingdom? They, they hold quite different views from yours on the Lisbon Treaty, for example. Okay. Three questions. One, first question is largely about EU energy policy, defined broadly. Second, about the implications of Slovakia joining the euro. And the third, about the governability of the UK Conservative Party. Yes, yes. Uh, 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 because actually uh, my background is uh, elect uh, electrical engineering and sort of the power business has been my profession. So first of all, let me see that. Uh, let me say that uh, most of the studies actually show that the highest potential, as far as the reduction of CO2 emission is concerned, lies in uh, savings, energy savings, or energy efficiency. So that is the best ratio as far as the costs and the effect of reduction is concerned. So uh, the CO2 that we do not produce is uh, certainly better than actually the produced one which has to be stored in carbon storages. So we actually um, adopted a three course um, um, or three, three types of action in the Czech Republic. Uh, first of all, of course, we try to focus on the residential sector and in the area of housing, we actually try to promote and see into the possibilities of making the energy spending or the energy consumption more efficient and uh, to kind of uh, promote the, the, the green buildings, etc. The second one is focusing on the energy intensive businesses in the Czech Republic. And of course, the third one is making more efficient, uh, making the facilities for the production of electrical energy uh, or, or power more efficient. So, as far as the energy savings are concerned, I'm actually the greenest politician in, in the whole of ODS, which is the Czech Conservative Party. So, the second uh, best option, uh, of course, with uh, slightly higher cost, but costs which actually uh, pay off over time, is the nuclear energy. Uh, proto taky jsme prosadili v rámci Evropské unie uh, 
jaderné fórum, které se střídá postupně v Praze a Bratislavě. For that reason, we actually initiated an initiative, a regular kind of summit, which we call the European Nuclear Forum, and it takes place regularly. And the two cities alternating in hosting this this forum, Prague and Bratislava, the capital of Slovakia. Zadiska cost-benefit analysis vychází nejhůř. Renewable sources, carbon capture storage, a tyto technologie. As far as the so-called new technologies or alternative ways, like the renewables or carbon capture storages and so on, they actually are the worst alternative if you do or if you perform a proper cost-benefit analysis. To vůbec neznamená, že bychom touto cestou nešli. It actually doesn't mean that we would exclude these these things from from our action action list. Každá země má jiné přírodní, technické, ekonomické podmínky. Nevertheless, it should be realized that every country has a different situation. Uh, of uh, well, natural resources and uh, the technical capabilities, and the actual situation differs from country to country. U nás má podle stávající technologií největší kapacitní prostor spalování biomasy. So biomass, actually, as far as our technology situation is concerned, uh, would probably uh, play the biggest role. Vodní zdroje jsou v podstatě využity až na. 60 malých vodních elektráren, které se potenciálně ještě mohou postavit. So as far as water is concerned, I think that we've used up that that avenue. Perhaps 60 additional small power plants, hydro power plants, could could be built, but that will not have a major impact. Větrnou energii pokládám v českých podmínkách za plítvání penězí. As for wind, well, in the Czech Republic, considering the natural conditions, that would be a waste of waste of money. Zajímavá je fotovoltaika, úplně nové technologie, které přijdou, palivové články, vodíkové a podobně. But photovoltaics and various fuel cells, these are quite promising, but these are the technologies of the future. Musím říct, že můj ministr životního prostředí je ze strany zelených. I should also report that my minister of environment is the chair of the Green Party. Bude připravovat fakticky agendu pro ten Kodaňský summit. And he's actually the one who will be drafting the agenda for the Copenhagen summit. Myslím si, že to nepochybně zvládne. And I'm convinced that undoubtedly he will do his his job well. To utahování kohoutu z Ruska není záležitost minulosti. So as far as your question regarding Russia closing the taps, that is not only something which could be referred only to the history. Od července tohoto roku dostáváme o 15 až 30 méně ruské ropy standardní cestou, než je nasmlouváno. For instance, since June of this year, we've been actually we've been supplied 15 to 30 less of oil from Russia than what we had contractually agreed. Musíme nakupovat o 8 až 9 dolarů na barel dražší ropu jinou cestou ropovodem Tal a So there's no other recourse for us, or there's no other way for us than to actually buy additional oil, which is more expensive, which is usually eight to nine dollars per barrel more expensive from an from an alternative route or routes, which is the Tal and IKL pipes. Zatím, zatím nedodáním nejsou zřejmě politické důvody. So, as far as this kind of reduction of supplies, so far we have not detected or identified political reasons behind it. 
Nevím, jak by to vypadalo, kdyby tam byly politické důvody. Proto patříme k zemím, které uh, volají po diverzifikaci dodávek a po nových alternativních cestách a substitutech samozřejmě k ropě a plynu. Uh, for that reason, precisely, the Czech Republic has joined the group of countries who are great promoters of uh, the need to diversify uh, the, the supplies, uh, looking for alternative rule, uh, routes and also with, with great advocates of uh, substitutes. Energy security, and that is, this is not a mere coincidence, plays a key role on the agenda of the Czech Presidency. Já si nemyslím, že by současná Ruská federace neplnila smlouvy. Nemyslím si to, protože se to neděje. To je, to tam jsou spíš technické problémy. A já nevím, co bude za 20, 30 s bojem proti terorismu je energetická bezpečnost základní zahraničně politická priorita České republiky. But precisely for that reason, uh, beside the uh, uh, sort of war on terror, the uh, energy security and uh, ensuring the energy security is one of the top priorities of the Czech foreign policy. To je na dlouhou přednášku, ale já už se dostanu k tomu euru. But uh, obviously, you know, I could speak on this issue on and on, and that would actually be a good topic for a separate lecture. But let me actually, uh, let me actually touch upon the euro uh, question. Včera jsem od Roberta Fisa v Bratislavě dostal takový sáček s mincemi. Byly to první eura, které od 1. ledna budou platit ve Slovenské republice. So, uh, yesterday uh, I visited Slovakia and the Prime Minister of Slovakia, Mr. Fico, and uh, I received as a present a, a pack of, um, of uh, sort of sl first Slovak Euro coins, which are going to become uh, the, the, the currency in Slovakia as of the 1st of January. Ten hlavní důvod, proč se povedlo na Slovensku zavést euro, je, že fakticky 8 let Zurindových vlád realizovalo potřebné reformy, které stabilizovaly ekonomiku a oni plní a budou plnit Maastrichtská kritéria. Uh, the primary reason why Slovaks have been um, successful in adopting Euro has been that for a consecutive eight years, uh, Zurinda's previous um, sort of right-wing or conservative government had been uh, executing reforms which had uh, stabilized the country's economy and uh, actually made sure that the country uh, not only had fulfilled but will be fulfilling uh, uh, the uh, Maastricht criteria. Slovenská ekonomika je ve slušné kondici a i v době finanční krize predikuje na příští rok růst 4,5%. Nicméně je to velmi malá ekonomika a pro nás, pro Čechy, kteří jsou opatrnější a konzervativnější, to bude dobrá laboratoř zavedení eura v našem regionu. <laughs> And um, obviously, uh, at the same time, it is a small economy. So for us, the Czechs, and we are actually known to be a bit more prudent and conservative, uh, we're going to wait and see, and we will actually use this uh, as a test case, as a laboratory, to see whether this um, uh, exercise will be successful or not. 
Si my počkáme, jak to bude and obviously, uh, given the current situation, the uh, growth and stability pact has been shattered into pieces. Uh, there are no rules, uh, and everybody is actually using the excuse of the crisis. So in this very situation, we're actually going to see what will happen. Uh, we're going to wait and see what is, what is going to happen. Ten vliv na ty malé ekonomiky je poměrně fatální a uh, může samozřejmě dojít problémům a Slovensko se poveze s těmi ekonomikami, které se dneska propadají do recese. But obviously, uh, the Czech Republic and the Slovak Republic, we're rather small economies, so any impact that's going to hit the international scale is going to be fatal for these economies. And obviously, by having adopted Euro, uh, Slovaks have linked themselves even much tighter and closer to some of those economies which might actually suffer, uh, suffer a more serious uh, recession. To se uh, the the České republice. But the same thing can happen to the Czech Republic uh, anyway. So. Velmi složité na příští rok. So it is extremely difficult to predict what will happen next year. Uh, Češi, uh, Češi jsou spořiví, konzervativní a uh, euro moc nechtějí. So uh, also just to explain the mentality, the Czechs are very conservative and they like to save money and for that reason they don't have uh, much, um, they don't have strong appetite for euro. Uh, to, že mohou být spekulativní útoky na koronu, to je těm občanům jedno. And, um, of course, there is a risk of, uh, of speculations on the, on the Czech crown, but actually it seems that uh, the Czech citizens don't mind. Podnikatele se úplně zbláznili a chtějí euro za každou cenu a to hned. So the business community, on the other hand, uh, went, went crazy, went bananas, and they actually want to adopt euro immediately. Uh, my zatím neplníme kritéria, naštěstí. But uh, luckily enough, so far we have not been fulfilling the master criteria. But next year, unfortunately, we will probably fulfill the criteria. And we will be really pushed for decision. And I'm convinced we'll make the right decision. <laughs> so, Tories and the question regarding the Conservative government. As far as the European parties are concerned, this is probably the closest party to us. Já myslím, že pozice Lisabonské smlouvě není jediným rozdílem mezi britskou konzervativní stranou a liberálně konzervativní ODS v České republice. However, I do not really believe that the Lisbon Treaty is the only issue in which our opinions vary and differ uh, between the ODS, which is the Liberal Conservative Party in the Czech Republic, and the Tories uh, to in the UK. Uh, so this actually, I believe, should be attributed to a number of aspects uh, that should be taken into consideration, which is actually a different political tradition in both countries, uh, different mentality perhaps, and also uh, the longer period of existence of the Tories uh, or, or the Conservative Party in Britain in comparison with the ODS, which is prognostic. Of course, I don't want to become a, a, a seer, or I don't want to make any prognosis here, um, right from the bat. So, if uh, uh, four months ago the elections were supposed to take place, uh, then I would have probably bet on the Tories. If they happen in a year's time, I will also bet on them. If they are to happen sooner, then I might actually see this as a bit of a problem. But I don't really know whether I want to say anything more on that. But obviously, I wish all, all, the, all the lack and success to them. 
Prime Minister, you've seen the success of your format as the questions could go on and on. Unfortunately, we've reached the uh, end of the session, we're timed out. It's not completely bad news because uh, the Prime Minister will be having drinks on the fifth floor of the old building. Those of you who wish to join us are more than welcome. As a courtesy, could I ask you all to allow the Prime Minister and his party to leave before you leave or dash for the drinks? Um, before we do that, however, I'd just like to thank Prime Minister Topolonic for such a wide-ranging, thought-provoking and stimulating speech.